really crave like you know there's this thing like people say oh, I crave a pizza I want a burger I want whatever I very rarely crave fast food like that yeah except for these there's, there's a place here called Maru Bajiers yeah you know what Bajiers are right no what's a Bajiers they're like thinly sliced potatoes that are in a batter and fried right? oh potato and chips potato chips basically but not not, not, not chips wait what are fritters Mm. I think fritters could be like anything Fries. that's fried like dough. dough. Yeah, like a, they're like coated in something. Right? They have a butter. Yeah, on so them. this is also okay. coated. In. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it's not like super thin, like Pringle type. It's slightly thick, and it's still kind of soggy. It's not like a chip. It's not like potato chip. Anyway, that's what they're called, and I love them very much. I've even yeah. asked to work and here. Oh yeah. Yes, and I named like, They've been here for. They've been here for ever. Yes. You just want to work here beginning. so you can steal their yeah, recipe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I'll work for free. I even named my dog Maru. Oh. My first dog. It's a love story. <laughs> so, like, maybe we can. Uh, should we get some of those? Uh, sorry? Can we eat Maru Bajas here? Yeah, they've yeah, changed yeah, yeah. the rules. They've changed it. So, let's go sit inside. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So, uh, chili, the tamarind. trick to eating this is you'll have to make a little hole. Oh, yeah. And then put this in and then put a little bit of each. It's going to be like my ugali. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then just pop it all in your mouth. Okay. Yeah. And a little of oh, one sauce. Yeah. Whichever. No, all of them. The mint, the tamarind, and this is. All right, cool. Good luck. And then, and then a little bit of each. Yeah. 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 And then just cut it. Uh huh. Yeah, that's good. Yeah? yeah. That's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is a new year. Hey, 2021. Good vibes only around here. So let's pick up where we left off in the last Nairobi episode, pre COVID, with the 44th tribe of Kenya the Kenyans of Indian descent. For all of my talk in these episodes of factionalism in Nairobi, you only need to come here to the Diamond Plaza Food Court to see how delicious the mix can actually be. Here lies a shrine, a living, boiling, sputtering deep fat fryer of a shrine to one of Nairobi's favorite snacks, Maru Bajia, which, as I now know, is what would happen if the Lord Jesus Christ were to come back to Earth in order to save us all and also to improve upon the flavorless corporate wafers we know as potato chips. Maru Bajia may have arrived with the 44th tribe, but it belongs to Nairobi now, and joining it in the Kenyan cupboard are dishes from China, West Africa, Portugal, Arabia, the British Midlands, and more. Now I get the sense, even when talking with Kenyans, that the national cuisine here is a little bit unknown, a little unloved. But as much as anything, that might be a reflection of the power of Kenya, its geographic legacy as the bridge between the Great Lakes, the Bantu expansion lands, and everything and every bite off the African coastline. We Americans love our exceptionalism, even us progressives, who like to think that the U.S. at its best is the world's preeminent melting pot. That's not wrong necessarily, but the comfort that I feel here in Nairobi, awash in deep strains of dozens of cultures, is at least a sign that Kenyans also know a thing or two about melting and mixing. I knew that I wanted to talk these things out with food obsessive Joshua Obaga, who had first brought me and a friend of his to Diamond Plaza. I did not know until a gardener from the property next to my hotel showed up with a thick bundle of fresh, bitter-smelling greens that Joshua and I would talk about these things while trying to chew cot, the mild narcotic stimulant that is illegal in the U.S., just barely tolerated in Kenya, and often paired here with sweet sodas. Warning, this episode documents two adult men drinking Sprite and slowly dribbling on themselves. Proceed with caution. This is Nathan Thornburg, and from Roads and Kingdoms, you're listening to The Trip. Drinking with exceptional people around the world. Let's talk about what you uh, and I are going to imbibe okay. here. Let's get that. <laughs> Let's get that going. What is this? Um, well, I am not a... Um, 
consumer of of Mira. It's called Mira. Mira. Yeah, M I A A. Um, but it's one of our legal um, stimulants. Okay. It's kind of uh, like a more affordable version of coffee, like for for certain populations. Right. Yeah. Because getting a good drip coffee is still going to be exactly Java House, notwithstanding, <laughs> it's still going to be too expensive yeah. for a lot of people. Um, yeah, we don't, our coffee culture is not as, um, as deep as let's say the US or Ethiopia or, or Saudi Arabia or whatever. But can you export a lot of beans? Apparently, yeah. So yeah. we are more about the, the capitalist. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, more about selling than sipping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So you are not going to try this then? I will. You will. Some. Okay. I, the last time I had some though, I was in, um, I was in high school. In high school, yeah, this oh, was man. like two thousand and like so one. I'm trying to like I'm trying to place. It. I mean, we also know this in the states as Kat, uh, yeah. right? Which is a yeah. name throughout, you know, Yemen and yeah. and Somalia and all the places where it's like deeply popular. Yeah. Uh, but it's like trying to place it on the. It's it's kind of like chewing tobacco, maybe yeah. in the states. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like that thing that people experiment with in high school, <laughs> and then some people just do it as a lifelong yeah. thing, and it gives you this mild head yeah. buzz or something. And I've had cut before, uh, but more in like I think in an Arab context. Mm. So when you know, I was talking with somebody about the ways that they uh, you know chew it here, and it was kind of like, oh, cut and Sprite, like yeah. did not expect that. <laughs> uh, and there is also, as you were saying, there's a strain of. Uh, of uh, chewing cot with bubble gum, yeah, so that you end up with like this golf this, ball, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that sounds like a lot of work to Actually, me. Actually, it's called a taxi. A taxi, yeah. So it, it gets to a point where you chew so much, and it's a specific kind of gum called Big G, which is like a OG like Kenyan gum. <laughs> the OG Kenyan <laughs> gum, all right. And um, and then you eat like a bunch of them, and you keep adding more gum, and it becomes this humongous like ball of wow, nothing like what do you call it, like. Um, like spit and <laughs> and cat and gum, it's crazy. God, you are yeah. really <laughs> working my appetite. That sounds amazing. I would love to watch that. Um, all, right. all right, no, I, and I had heard. I guess that's that. That is the preferred way in Uganda. Mm. Um, I'm I'm psyched we're doing Sprite. I don't think I need a taxi. Yeah, <laughs> a big old ball of spit and gum and yeah. cat leaves. Um, all right, so walk me through this. Tell me how. Tell me how this goes. I feel like you probably have more experience <laughs> in this than I do. All right. Um, but What's... what I remember is, and what I've observed, um, is, you know, they take the leaves out and they chew it on the side. And they chew it on the side? Yeah, side of your, like in, inside your cheek. And I, I wonder what the Sprite is supposed to do, you know, the Sprite in this equation. How I think it... maybe it's about flavor. So I, as, I think maybe it's bitter, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the Sprite, oh, right. the, the acidity and the oh. sweetness of the Sprite kind of offsets that bitterness. This is beautiful. I need, um, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna take a, a, a rare podcast pause to do an Instagram uh, yes, <laughs> picture. Yes, of course, of course. Because it's, I mean, they are gorgeous. This is this is also fresh local Karen cut. Where did you get this from? Uh, the gardener next door grows it. That's insane. It is insane. <laughs> so this is like, this is heirloom heritage, you know, organic. I don't know if it's organic, Yo. but it, it is just like Probably. very fresh. Yeah. Fresh cut. Because uh, usually it's dried and, and uh, you know, this will this will last a while. Um, yeah. This is also, uh, I would say about a, a kilo, maybe not a kilo. Not it's, a kilo. but it is, it is a huge amount. It of is quite a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't specify how much to bring, so he brought uh, enough for an entire village. Um, so I'm gonna send, I'm gonna send you home with a lot of cut, okay, excellent. and you can distribute it amongst your friends uh, and see where you go. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm extending the the bushel to you. Oh, wait, thank you. Um, um, and so, I would assume you take a few, and then you like tear some seeds off I yeah, guess. yeah yeah i mean sorry some leaves um yeah i'm getting a little static in the mic i wonder if it's just all of the caffeine or whatever the stimulant uh in the cat is <laughs> it's like it's causing the 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 wires to jump become alive um maybe it's my aura <laughs> it is your aura i know well i'm gonna I was saying that, you know, one solution to Nairobi traffic is going to be for me to eat all of this cat and just run alongside the Boda Boda guys. How long, how long have you been here? Uh, I've been here three days. Have you been here before? Never been. You said Boda Boda very naturally. Oh, wow. Yeah, like somebody who's been here. <laughs> I, did, I did have a, uh, uh, for me, a very memorable Boda Boda ride across town. Um, 
which was not safe boda. Uh, yeah. It was whatever the opposite of safe boda was. So <laughs> I feel like I really, uh, I, I, I put in my time, my mileage. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're snipping off some leaves here, getting ready for that big chew. Uh, I'm yeah. gonna wait for you. A little handful. We can just chew. We can cheers before. Uh, yeah, let's <laughs> cheers. With, right, that's the right thing. You cheers and then chew. Yeah. Uh, pour a little bit of Sprite in this. Nice glass bottles. Mm -hmm. I would get that sound of that clinking. There you go. Cheers, <laughs> Joshua. Thank cheers. you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. Super fresh. <laughs> Very bitter. That is very fresh. Mm. That's weird. The Sprite absolutely helps. Mm -hmm. mm. Oh, I'm digging that. Yeah. It's a little like... Yeah, I can kind of feel my mouth going numb. Yeah. Me too. And um, it's hard not to swallow it. How do you like... I think that's why you put it in your cheek. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and oh god, <laughs> it's doing that thing. Oh yeah, what is that thing? It's um, like... hmm. okay. So I'm either gonna have to swallow it or like spit it into a thingy. Well, this is what you realize too um, about like beetle uh, culture in uh, like Myanmar. You know, the yeah. guys. It's another kind of chewable stimulant. And it takes so much skill to do it mm. without just making an absolute mess of yourself. <laughs> I'm getting the sense with this too. It's like, right? I don't. I'm not talented enough to just like tuck it away and hang on to it. <laughs> like I'm just kind of eating the leaves, which yeah. I'm pretty sure is a party foul. Um, wow, that was interesting. <laughs> I mean, how? All right, you're a food guy. How would you describe the flavor of that? Um, bitter. <laughs> yeah, like fresh grass. That's what it tastes like. Right. <laughs> or yeah, like this. It tastes like the smell of fresh, freshly mm -hmm. cut grass. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. <laughs> That's a, that. That is that is spot on. Yeah. But but you are the you know where I am the cow in this scenario, <laughs> grazing. Yeah. In the meadow. Yeah. Um. And I do you know I think in my long. Uh, long quest around the world to find different ways of making weird mouth noises into the microphones. <laughs> I think I think we've hit a new level here. Like just a big chew. You do, like mukbang. Oh my God, this is like the audio version of watching someone eat. The, the problem with audio, I mean, granted, I don't really get the appeal of mukbang in, in the Korean context, yeah. but yeah, chewing in audio is a, it's a real, it's a real experience for you, the listener. Um, you are welcome. My... <laughs> my um my my reception of listening to chewing sounds changes based on my mood sometimes oh, yeah. it's like wait you have a mood where you're into it yeah sometimes i'm like yeah that's kind of very satisfying like to listen and look at but sometimes it's like this sounds like i'm on like a porn set <laughs> like <laughs> microphone is too close <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i mean it's just a, it's 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 a lot of moisture man this is like <laughs> that that lip smacking is hip smacking it's too much <laughs> um mm, yeah yeah so i swallowed yeah yeah me too i'm, I'm sure they're like you know uh there are, there's a whole community of boda boda drivers who would look down very very haughtily at us uh for our cat um powers but yeah. um well anyway you have now uh you know yeah. uh a most of a kilo of cat to uh to distribute. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you can find somebody who will enjoy that. I'll try and figure out. I could be, probably like make it into an ice cream or something. Oh, yeah? That would be interesting. Um, so I was out, speaking of ice creams, I was out uh, doing what what, uh, what I like to do, which was we were out drinking and um, mm -hmm. kind of going around different places uh, in Nairobi last night. And um, a Scotch bonnet yeah. pepper jam yeah. came up. Yep. <laughs> Your jam is like being discussed in nightclubs oh. uh, and and bars uh, around the city. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's start there. What, um, are you, what are you making and why? I I like to cook everything. Like I don't have a, usually I don't even like to use the word chef. Like I'm not I'm not formally trained. 
I haven't staged yet, like anywhere. But I like to explore as much as I can. Um, and I do like fine dining because it's it's all about exploration and 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 finding yourself within 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 a meal or within a, within the identity of a restaurant. And so I I try to explore as much as I can using different. Method, uh, different techniques of of um, of preparing food, looking at something and saying, okay, what are the twelve different things I could do with this one ingredient? I would bring out the best in it. And with Scotch bonnets, I, I do work with chili a lot because I never liked chili growing up, and so I've always tried to find something positive within um, within a food that I don't typically like. I don't like pineapples. I don't like watermelon. I don't like chili. <laughs> and so, so now you're just the pineapple I'm just like, watermelon I wanna, chili man. <laughs> I want to try and figure out how to make watermelon taste, you know, much better than it does. <laughs> um, <laughs> or present it in a way that I would eat it. Like, you are not God. Watermelon <laughs> is watermelon, isn't it? No, you're going you're gonna to find watermelon to the next you level can, of evolution. I found, I found a way to, like, to make it a bit better. You can actually remove the water and replace it with something so so it's just a melon it is a melon but then it's kind of the texture is a bit different and the flavor is a bit different so if you leave it in lemon juice oh yeah for 24 hours it kind of cures it <laughs> so it becomes a little bit kind of like a rare steak wow. rather than this like squishy spongy thing uh, yeah and it's a bit more acidic and with the sweetness it goes really well I think the thing I didn't like about it was the combination of the super wateriness and the like ultra squishy. I didn't like that that combination, but I figured out how to like I hacked it. Out of how to hack it, I <laughs> yeah, love that. yeah. Um, um, melon hacks. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So the same with Scotch bonnet, and you didn't like chili uh, growing up, but but it's also true that, that like spice is not a big feature of Nairobi food, at least, right? Um, well, what do you mean by Nairobi food? I don't know. <laughs> this is what I heard. It's like, and you know, it's like a, it's an axiom uh, throughout the world, right? That the, the yeah. mountain foods tend to be a little heartier and less like spice filled. So, uh, I, I mean, that strikes me as an axiom that maybe I'm just totally, I'm, I'm definitely talking out of my ass. But <laughs> you know, that you got like in the mountains, like we are here mm. at five thousand feet uh, above sea level in Nairobi. You know, you'd have like heartier. Uh, maybe less spicy foods, and then down by the coast, uh, you have more heat yeah. to it. But in here, I mean, in the Kenyan perspective, that's specifically that you have like Indian, more Indian influence on the coast and yeah. things like that. So I don't know, but you tell me, so, like, what is Nairobi food? I mean, I mean, when you talk about the coast, first of all, um, that was that was a, where the port is, and so that's where all the Portuguese and the Arabs and the Indians came through. Um, and so you find a lot of influence from those parts of the world and spice of course is a huge part of those three cultures right but within Nairobi Nairobi is the hub of the whole country it's a capital city it is socially not just economically and what that means is that you have you know five generations of, of uh, Indian families in Nairobi you have um, you have uh, white families in Nairobi. You have, of course, now people from different parts of the country coming to Nairobi. So you have so much, so many different kinds of food here. Um, spice, f- when it comes to indigenous eating, spice is not really a thing. But it would be, I would be remiss if I didn't say that, you know, the Asian Kenyans are not Kenyans, or like Indian, Asian Indian food is not Kenyan food. So it's it's always it's always been uh, Indian food has always been available here. Yeah. And so spicy food has always been available. Got it. So things like turmeric and um, cardamom and stuff are, are things that we grew up eating and drinking because it's also in, we put it in our tea as well. Yeah. I mean, well, that dawa is yeah nuts. Like that's a exactly. that's a lot of flavor. Yeah. In, <laughs> in a tea experience. Yeah. But then there's, there's, there, there is the conception of like Kenyan food is bland and it's very like it's just salt. Like right. there's no. But that means writing <laughs> Indians out of the cuisine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So you got Scotch bonnets. Mm-hmm. You're gonna so, make a you're gonna make a jam. <laughs> so I have made uh, I have made a jam before. I've made uh, Scotch bonnet jam before, which was fantastic. First of all. <laughs> um, I actually was trying to make like a chili sauce, like a like a Scotch bonnet ketchup thing. And so I added vinegar and added sugar, but I added too much sugar. 
straight caramelized and i was like oh this kind of this is interesting this kind of works so i added more the thomas edison of uh, <laughs> scotch bonnet exactly. uh, tomfoolery all right yeah so i and then it was a bit thin so i added some xanthan gum so it became like a pasty like jam type thing which now we use to put on our toast and stuff like it's it was a mistake but it worked really well behold yeah and thus was born <laughs> yeah jam um <laughs> so all right so you're gonna make cot ice cream now we got all this fresh cot how do yeah. you do that what's, um, the, what's the plan i'd have to cook it first and see if it cooks so i can't just like blend it because it would just be ultra bitter yeah that's um, true unless i make a bit ice cream if you make a bit ice cream then you can put some like you can shave some lemon on it Maybe put like a syrup, like a lemon syrup. Oh no, bitter ice cream sounds like a, a, a cruel prank on children <laughs> or something. Ice cream's supposed to be smooth. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I like the idea of playing around with, like, looking at something and expecting something yeah. and eating it and experiencing something else completely. Yeah. But then you would have kind of like the breaking bad problem, which is, you know, how do you cook drugs? I yeah. mean, there's like, <laughs> there are active narcotic uh, or stimulant. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, elements in this and like, if you blend it, does that break it down? Like, it's a good question. Yeah. I'd have to now do research on like the, from, the, from a, uh, what do you call it? A molecular level. Yeah. Like what happens. On the, on the, <laughs> the cathine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Noma has had a lot of <laughs> cot in their <laughs> fermentation labs or something, but. I mean, like marijuana, CBD oil is a thing. Yeah. So maybe if you can extract the active agents, the active um, element in yeah. the cat, and then use that. The same way that, um, what's his name? Number two chef in the world. Spanish guy. Roca. Oh, Joan. Joan Roca. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I saw, I watched his like episode of Chef's Table. Okay. And he was talking about his relationship with his dad and how his dad used to smoke cigars. And then he figured out how to... There was a time he was churning ice cream and he blew cigar smoke into it and it churned the cigar smoke in the ice cream. And so when you eat it, it is like smoky. It has that cigar flavor. And that really sparked my imagination when it came to the idea of using stuff that is very close to home. Uh-huh. That you wouldn't typically think about like cigar flavored ice cream. Like what, what, yeah, what the hell is like that? Like ashtray ice cream. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> a girl who told me, because I... Ugh, I smoked cigarettes for a long time. Yeah. And I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Oh. I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, <laughs> so um, cigarettes are great, kids. You'll love them. Oh, my God. So you're going to love them <laughs> so hard. You're going to find it very difficult to quit them. <laughs> I'm just laying out your life path here, and, children. Um, she used to tell me, like, the first time I met her, she, I was smoking a cigarette. It was in a club. And... She looked at me and she was like, you're so handsome and you're so, like, everyone talks about you and you seem like a really smart guy. Why do you smoke cigarettes? It's oh. like, because they're great. I mean. <laughs> I used to hate that girl. <laughs> you know, the like, yeah. the pedant yeah. uh, at the oh nightclub. Yeah. Okay. And she, and then she told me, you know, kissing, kissing a man who smokes is like licking an ashtray. Yeah. And that image has never... That was like 15 years ago. Like yeah. That has never left me. It's head. too bad that uh, that <laughs> fucking Chef's Table episode wasn't there. You'd right? be like, watch this. <laughs> this is a this is a world famous, you know, number yeah. one restaurant in the world flavor <laughs> that you're getting, baby. <laughs> exactly. Joanne has made this just for you. Mm-hmm. My ashtray <laughs> mouth. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. What, the, what that fails to, uh, you know, uh, acknowledge is that... Uh, smoking makes you look cool, which makes you get the girls. Yes. So I, I I reject the premise. She probably wouldn't have talked to me if she didn't see me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> she just she just wanted to have something to talk to you about. Um, man, I might I make the worst PSAs. You know, yeah, my public absolutely. service announcement game is real weak, real thin. Um, all right. My so. mom's gonna listen to this. <laughs> hey, hey, mom. Hi, mom. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off 
at MVMT.com. All right, you're a watcher of Chef's Table. You see their, you know, their kind of general global gastronomic game. Yeah. How, does, how does the Kenyan food and cuisine scene compare to that? Um, oh, that's, that's an interesting question. So, like, I'm very much in the, in the middle of it because I love what they do, but there's also an element of, I mean, there is, there is separation in food. There is a class separation. There is, you know, um, agricultural, geographical separations. And so when it comes to fine dining, if you look at, the, I mean, Europe and the U.S., there is a very rich history in the idea of having, even the word fine or haute cuisine, like, means, like, high end, right? And so the the social hierarchy determined what people ate. Here, um, we, of course, had were colonized. I'm still doing research on pre-colonial, like, mm. um, agricultural or cultural anthropology, basically, but with food before. The colonization kind of blacked out yeah. the, the rest of the, the, the history of the place. Exactly. Yeah. Um, or didn't, they didn't even block it out. They just brought a new story. Um, mm. Think about Ugali. Ugali is, is here because of colonialism. Ugali is our, it's Kenyan food, but yeah. it's really not. Like, um, Where did it come from? So the Portuguese came with it, right? Oh, yeah. And then the English figured out that um, they, could, they could pay workers with maize. So they, they mainstreamed the idea of maize. So Ugali existed as a dough-like porridge, right? Mm. It's a thing that you see all over Africa. But before the maize flour came, we used to use millet and sorghum. Right, but the brown then, ugali. Yeah, yeah, brown ugali, which I really like, right? And the thing is, uh, now they figured out that maize was much cheaper to to, to grow and was easier to manage than sorghum. Um, and then they used to use maize flour as payment for their slaves and their, wow, their workers. Okay. And so it became something that everybody used to start eating because it's just like, this is basically what we're eating because... It's our payment. It's yeah. our sustenance. And right? for context, Ugali as it is now, and I'm I'm basing this off. I went with the journalist Barbara Wanjala to a Luo restaurant. Yeah, Mamolich. No, it was a uh, Kosewe okay. in uh, in the in the central business district. Yeah. And, and she's uh, from a Luo family, I guess. And uh, so she took me there. And there was, so this Ugali is like, it's uh, it's maize, the white one, and then the, there's the millet uh, version, yeah. which is brown. But it's basically this kind of hard dough and it's not it's a i don't know what's a what's a good textural description it's it's kind of like a uh a, a almost like a uh slightly firmer version of like a cookie dough in terms gonna, of the texture yeah, yeah i was thinking that yeah and you you basically make a little bowl or eating utensil out yeah. of it and you know we had like these great fish and goat intestines mm-hmm. and you you know make this little thing which i did so laughably bad <laughs> just like creating these like the worst kindergarten sculptures, you know, clay, <laughs> Play-Doh. clay, Play-Doh, uh, <laughs> problems, uh, yeah. possible, but, uh, but she's, you know, she was kind of training me up and, and you use it basically as, as both a base, uh, for grabbing the food and then something mm-hmm. to company. And it's like incredibly filling. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those, uh, shakes that they have in Peru, which are just like so dense yeah. that like a worker has one in the yeah. morning and then does like hard labor all day. Yeah. It's a really amazing food stuff and mm-hmm. it's like the quintessential Kenyan, Kenyan thing. Food. Yeah. Which as you're pointing out is not really not Kenyan. really. Yeah. <laughs> um but then it is it's uh, that's the thing I, I love about this country is that it's not uh, at least Nairobi because it's not one thing. It's so many things that are part of our um our culture that You'd be surprised are not, you know, things like skumawiki. Have you eaten skumawiki? No. It's what is basically that? collard greens. Okay. Um, so ugali and skuma are like, that is that is the number one thing people think about with Kenyan food. Okay. Ugali, skumawiki, and some meat. Like some Actually, meat. I think they had some on the table there. Yeah, the green. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was, right, it was very much like a collard and it was good. Yeah. I mean, deeply so, good. like that's also like not Kenyan, but it's ultra Kenyan at the right. same time and I love that so when I was a kid growing up like my mom used to travel a lot for work um, and my dad was a, they were both teachers and then my mom left teaching to like work in an NGO and then she got to travel around the world and everywhere she went she used to learn something new and come back home and cook 
Oh, cool. Um, and so, like, man, I should do that. I do not do that for my <laughs> really kids. Should. I know. <laughs> What's wrong with me? I wish you came over. I would have cooked for you. <laughs> anyway, um, so I I realized now, like, when I started taking cooking more seriously, because I, I have a hist- I have a background in design. So, like, my thing is. I used to be an art director in an advertising company. and You were at Ogilvy. I was at Ogilvy. Yeah. How do you know this? Uh, listen, your name <laughs> rings out in this city. Um, <laughs> right. So you had a you had a big job in, in, yeah. in kind of marketing and advertising yeah. and design. Yeah. Um, and that was not right for you. Um, I wouldn't say it wasn't right because I still love design. Design is a big part of who I am. And the thinking behind it is very similar to the thinking in cooking where you have a brief. I'm hungry. <laughs> Yeah. And you have... Um, <laughs> the client brief is always the same. <laughs> so uh, same. I'm feeling hungry. <laughs> what can we do about this? Yeah, Let's do? solve this problem. And then you think about the process. Rather, you think about what you want in the end. What is the point? You know, what's your KPI? And <laughs> this, is good. this is a very unusual conversation <laughs> about cooking. But yes, and, client briefs and KPIs. And, like, um, and I realized it's the same thing. When I left advertising, it's because I got sick. I... I had a problem, I had a blood clot in my brain, which is not fun. Wow. And so I, there was a point Jesus, where... I'm sorry. I, I'm fine now. It was many years ago. Yeah. Um, and so like, there's a point where I got into the office and I sat down and I said, do I, I could literally die here. Like, I don't want to die. <laughs> what do I want to do? I have no idea what I want to do, but I don't think I should be here. Yeah. Um, not because the job was bad or the people, the environment was great. I, I was still very yeah. close with my ex-boss. And I mean, not to make light of having a blood clot, but it does feel like that's a conversation that more people should have with themselves on a daily basis. <laughs> like, do I want to die at this test? Yeah, right. <laughs> because, you know, nothing is guaranteed us except that we are going to die. Yeah. Could be at this desk. Absolutely. You never know. Yeah. Um, and I used to work so hard. I used to be in 7.30 in the morning, leave at like at least 11 p.m. Uh, because I came in before I was an AD, I was freelancing for so long. And so I had I was very used to doing everything myself. Mm. Um, I wasn't used to running a team or telling people what to do. It's just like you're adults, just like do the thing you're supposed to do. Come on, <laughs> I'm very hands off yeah. management. Um, and so I end up doing a lot of stuff by myself, and I didn't sleep much, of course, advertising. Um, and so when I left, I was just like, okay, I just need to rest. Like basically, need to just prioritize yeah. resting. And I realized that after some time, I realized that even if I was sick, I was still cooking every day. Hmm. And then I thought about it and I was like, I've been cooking since I was like five years old. Why am I not taking this more seriously? Yeah. You know? Um, and so I started exploring. This was 2015. That's when I started like really trying to look into what is it what really makes, what is cooking about, what is food about. Um, and at this point, I the reason why I don't call myself a chef aside from the fact that I haven't been trained, um, is because I, I'm i more interested in the process and the understanding of people, understanding of um, ingredients, understanding of the science behind things, understanding of aesthetics. Yeah. So, like, um, I am more of an explorer yeah. of things. That's, um, <laughs> that's great. No, there's, like, a whole... You're part of a whole... A whole uh, movement, I guess we have yeah. a lot in the states and Europe, and I, I guess I'm I'm some part of this of like the the food intellectual mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> industrial complex, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> which is like I don't I don't really cook, but I, I'd like to think about food uh, and talk about it, and, yeah. and you know somehow um, you know QED there's a living to be made out there somehow yeah. doing that, but how do you how do you how do you make that function in 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 a Kenyan context? Mm. Um, so because I do have a decent reputation in design. Mm. <laughs> um, I have used my networks to still maintain um, design work, mm-hmm. but I am very specific about it now. Where yeah. I'm trying to do design work related to food specifically. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. So labels for products that I like. So like products that are very mindful and sustainable environmentally. Yeah. Products that are interesting and new, but then locally made products of people who pay their um, their workers really well or source their stuff from people who, like from different tribes around here. So like if I understand the the vision of a company and they want my services, I like do design for them. Um, and it's not just product labels, branding, it's logos, it's websites, it's, you know, photography, whatever. 
Um, and that's what I do for a living. So when it comes to the food itself, what I'm doing, I'm not charging anyone for anything yet. Um, and I haven't done anything that I think I would sell yet. Yeah. But I am kind of writing like a little book. <laughs> okay. That should be out soon. Um, What's it about? It's just stories. It's just stories about random different things. Like everything that I'm interested in. I mean, I really like flowers for some reason. So like I'm everywhere I've traveled uh, in Kenya, I've always like looked around to see, do I know this flower or not? Huh. And then I use a plant identification app and I'm like, okay, is this edible? Like that's the first thing that I think, like is this an edible plant? That's fish love, man. You love it, but just because you want to eat it, huh? Hey, yeah. All I right. know about fish love. Uh, <laughs> rabbi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> breaking out internet memes now. Um, that's how you love flowers. Yeah. You no, know? I do love flowers because I'm like, it's it's a thing that was not the idea of you know fine dining. The one of the most pretentious things that people say about yeah. fine dining is like, oh, just put this like small portion of something and then put like a flower in it. Yeah, with the tweezers. Yeah, with the tweezers, yeah. right? Which I do have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I we never grew up eating flowers and things. Flowers are to look at and to smell, and like, yeah. that's it. And for like bees to like pollinate. Um, but as I grew, I saw. And and observed like the world and like what it, what people do in cooking, um, in Asia, the U.S., in Europe, it was like put some nostalgia leaves on it and put some yeah. like <laughs> right like pansy blossoms on it and and I was like oh this is interesting why would you do that it's a flower like what the hell yeah and the more I realized that there is so much stuff that I don't know flowers made me realize I don't know anything because. There's so much information that is so common to other places that is not common to me. So it made me actually want to bridge gaps between myself and every other. And all the knowledge that yeah. you could be getting. And so I just started huh. reading and reading and reading and like watching stuff. And Anthony Bourdain, huge, huge, huge part of why I'm not working in a restaurant, actually. <laughs> yeah. Because um, you, you were like, I could skip that step. Yeah. And go straight like to the e explorer and <laughs> exactly. you know, writer uh, phase I, of things. I read his book. Um, actually, it's April who got me his book. Um, oh, yeah. Kitchen Confidential. April Zoo, right? Yeah. Uh, who, uh, who, who is uh, a local journalist here who's great and um, was also had written for Roads and Kingdoms mm -hmm. and I think is, is part of the... Uh, the Joshua Obaga fan club that was <laughs> following me around last night. Um, so uh, good for her. So yeah, she got you. Can, I mean, yeah. uh, I, I did reread it not that long ago. It's mm -hmm. a fucking great book. I was so sad not to meet him. Like, yeah. I, I loved him so much. And uh, he was, when yeah. I found out that he was in Kenya and <laughs> someone told me, I, I saw a photo of my, a bunch of my friends met him when he was here. They were in the episode. Yeah. Like Kenya. Kevin Wachito. Yeah. And, Kevin yeah. and Mal and, and Heather Rao, like these are people I've known for a long yeah, time. Yeah. And they're like, I was like, how do you, you were meeting like <laughs> one of my idols and you didn't, I just saw a random photo on Instagram. Like, yeah. this is my idol. Yeah. And so like what I did for three days was I put that book in a little duffel bag and I walked around, I was, went around Nairobi. I was just like, I'm not doing any work. I'm not like meeting anyone. I'm just gonna look for it. <laughs> look to see where the entourage <laughs> is. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you know, I, I I have to say, uh, as as uh, as amazing a person as he was to know and work with, I think the mileage can vary on meeting him while he's shooting, because mm. because it's like he's very in the zone. Yeah. I think his instinct is always to like be generous and giving and and so on, but sometimes he's just like. I've seen him in, in shoots where he's like a thousand miles away, mm. you know, <laughs> so, but I've never had anybody who's like, thought it was unpleasant, but he communicated himself so well that people brought so much energy to him, you know, yeah. which could be really, really incredible. Um, but it's, it's hard for him to give it back. Yeah. Uh, whatever. No, it sucks. You, you missed out. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> It's okay now. I I have a bunch of his books. And yeah. I'm fine, and I go to meet you. So like, oh, there I you feel go. like that's right by the transitive like property. <laughs> uh, I mean, that is one of the things that also that makes writing great. I mean, you know, we all do this as a legacy project on some level. It's just like mm -hmm. that something may survive our our bodies. You know, when we when we die at our desks, and writing can you know, I think for Tony especially, I'm I'm really really getting that sense of of how true that is. Like. You know, his voice, he was very good at putting his voice on the page and his voice comes out loud and true and it's a yeah. fucking hologram, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's a hologram reading that book or really any of the stuff he's written. Even, 
even you know dumb emails that he's written yeah you know to me it's like i just it just pops mm -hmm. and we'll like text each other like just random you know yeah yeah this last year he wrote me this thing and just just to have a few sentences that that uh they just feel like him yeah. so you know yeah so when while you're smoking kids you should also be writing <laughs> because writing is a way that you are going to survive your own death absolutely um, and and live forever that is insane because that is the motivation behind a lot of what i do is that i'm like somewhat nihilistic about a lot of things it's like millennial flu i guess like everybody is wants to die but like, <laughs> nobody really wants to die everybody like, kind of wants to die <laughs> yeah. doesn't really um so for me like legacy is important that's my dad um his dad well i i come from a line of like musicians and farmers so musicians and farmers yeah like oh, my dad my grandfather was a farmer professionally but he was amazing um, amazing musician and his all of his kids became really good in music and now my dad got to a point where he got his phd in music oh shit and <laughs> he was a music teacher for a long time um in a really good school and i grew up you know playing classical music and like listening to jazz and listening to kenyan music and listening to a bunch of different things and so that kind of introduced my mind to the idea of multiculturalism, multidimensionalism, different perspectives and how people express themselves in different ways. And that's something I applied in design, something I apply in food. Um, it's very easy for me to meet people from different parts of the world because I'm like, oh, you're from Burma. I know you guys eat this and this. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, what the <laughs> who are you? And like, um, I love getting different perspectives from people, but I also it's also a journey of like, who am I? Because I feel like I'm a third culture kid, but who hasn't lived in a different country. Yeah. Um, well, that is one of the joys of Nairobi, right? Like yeah. you can be a third culture kid because there's so much is whizzing around exactly. in the atmosphere, you know? Yeah. Um, all right, let's take a, I'm going to take a, an audio break to, okay. uh, sponsored by Sprite. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's very satisfying. Isn't that satisfying? Yeah. Uh, feel good. <laughs> I should also like one of those annoying guys at the party. I'm gonna do a check in on my 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 buzz. Go for it. Like I'm feeling, I'm feeling. I, I don't know if I, I'm imagining it, but I'm feeling this cot has like got me a little a little jumpy, right? I feel. I don't know what the word is. I, I feel okay, but slightly like my heart isn't racing. Yeah. I don't know. Not yet. Yeah. But no. I do feel lightheaded, slightly lightheaded. Mm -hmm. Like that's all I feel. Yeah, I'm not like freaking out or anything. But <laughs> I, I, I feel like I, I think I'm I'm feeling this thing. But um, you know, I just anybody listening to this podcast should be super glad that I never get high <laughs> on this podcast because I would just be talking about how high am I? Do am I actually high? Am I, what am I feeling? What am I seeing? You know, it's a it's an obnoxious trait that I have. Yeah. Um, it's like anytime I I get get somewhere on the stimulant to narcotic yeah. thing, I have to really like. <laughs> really get, you know feel where i'm at you yeah know? <laughs> so I mean, that's important uh i yeah. guess so although i you know for the people who again like chewing tobacco i guess if you do this daily you're not yeah. like oh i feel you know it's like a maintenance high yeah almost. exactly um so they're probably not on the side of the road chewing just <laughs> thinking is my heart going a little faster <laughs> yeah maybe it is all right, so you are are kind of building uh, building a life for yourself in yeah. in this very kind of clever way, which is you have a, a purpose in the market, mm -hmm. uh, you mm -hmm. know, through your design work. But then you're also kind of experimenting and becoming Nairobi's leading purveyor of cut ice cream. <laughs> um, I'm already naming you. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. What do you What would you like to see from the Kenyan? Just how Kenyans feel about food, or like. Um, I don't know. Is there something? Is there some improvement in in the way that they can approach what they what they're doing, or is there something that the I don't know. Let's let's start there. Um, I really don't like judging people's decision making process um, because I also recognize that I'm am a, a little bit of a snob. Um, <laughs> I'm a, not <laughs> a self awareness that is sorely lacking in in me and and so many others, uh, right? Like slightly, because I love street food. Like that's, I would eat street food before. Like I get like a pizza and a burger, right? I'd rather make a pizza and burger at home. Mm -hmm. It's more interesting and you have more control. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I'm concerned about a lot is the influx of 
franchise fast food KFC Burger King yeah I heard, I heard um Starbucks is coming and McDonald's and I'm like okay I mean it's fine I as a person who has been in branding for a long time I understand um the Kenyans are all about hype we love we love new things we love the new shiny toy um but based on what the growth of this industry has done to specifically the US I'm mm. really afraid <laughs> <laughs> like I'm so scared yeah you look across <laughs> the ocean and you're like oh no please like no I don't want that to happen I no. want people to be able to enjoy fries and, and and burgers and shit but like can we can we moderate yeah you know well and, and I mean it's not snobbish to you know absolve you here it's not snobbish <laughs> to just point out that there's a finite amount of funding and resources and attention that can go into what people are eating yeah and particularly where you know KFC correct me if I'm wrong but I think it it it, it occupies a kind of like a middle class yeah. you know it's it's a it's more expensive it's kind of it aspirational is. It is. and so it's it's for people who actually have resources mm-hmm. that they could eat you know, like really great, you know, maybe more refined or better marketed or branded versions of Kenyan foods, whether it's Indian Absolutely. Kenyan or yeah. or African Kenyan. I mean, like whatever the, you know, the 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 food culture is, it, it, it could be in that space, yeah. but it's kind of being crowded out by the colonel. Absolutely. And soon by Ronald McDonald. And <laughs> I mean, we just have a like all the horsemen of the apocalypse <laughs> are coming your way. Like hmm, Nairobi looks nice. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Like I, at the same time, I do. The thing I respect about the fast food industry is um, standardization of quality of process. So, like, if they're like, we all of the potatoes have to be the exact same size. Of course, it's not ideal. But in terms of a business point of view, it maybe puts pressure on local businesses to be like, no, we need to be more consistent in our quality of product and our quality of service, right? That's one thing I I'm like I would respect fast food for that. Yeah. But at the same time, like, how does it affect agriculture as well? Like, um, the potatoes for KFC come from Egypt. The beef um, that they use for KFC here, no, not KFC, Burger King, um, has is like pumped up with hormones because they're like, no, we want it to be a certain way. I know they they banned that practice in Europe, but they were like, no, Kenyans don't give a shit about that. Like, yeah. Let's just keep doing this. Right. Um, and this is all speculative. I'm not actually saying it happened, but I have read things. Um, I don't have a tin for hat though. Um, I I'm, I'm ready. I'm very <laughs> excited about what you're about to say. <laughs> I think that they they just they don't care about the things that matter um, about people's well-being. Basically, they just want to make a buck, and that is essentially what capitalism is. But there's always been a sense of community that we've had here. And I think that that is being lost when it comes to the end of what food has become now. Um, whereas I learned how to cook and learned how to eat because every Sunday we either had guests in the house or we went and visited someone who had guests, us as guests, and we would share. It yeah. was always about sharing. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, it's all about you, right? Um, and that's the thing I don't like about fast food. That's the thing that I, I that's a trend that I'm kind of yeah. unhappy about when it comes to Kenyans. Well, you, you know, what you can smell on that is a bunch of American, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a, that's a straight up cultural value. Yeah. Two people sitting at a table apart from everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, you know, we have this like kind of kinfolk moment where we're like, you know, people want to sit at long tables and, but it's, it's like, it's like learning how to walk. Like yeah. we, like we just don't have that muscle yeah really and you think about food here like even at, at the like nightclub last night at uh dagos i guess where they oh dagos dagos yeah, yeah, yeah. they were having like nyama choma or yeah, something outside i mean but they brought it in and it's just like six people who were there to listen to music but then also have a big plate of meat mm-hmm. somebody comes and pours water over their hands so they mm-hmm. can wash their hands and mm-hmm. and then they all just sort of dive in yeah. from a single plate like that's like that's how it's done, yeah. you know. Like that's how you share food. Like that's yeah. how, you know. Yeah. And and on on a on the most basic level, like nothing between you and that experience of sharing food with people. Yeah. And it's just it's just something that we don't do well mm. in the states. And and you know you we, we do it so poorly we don't even know what we've lost in yeah. some way. And like with the the middle class is growing, um, but we still have like a middle class poor as it's called. But we it's growing and. What that means is people are spending more time uh, working. They're spending more time trying to make more money. We're more aware, we're more informed. 
and so and more educated i guess formally and so like you have kenyans who have some aspiration about getting the house and the car and the and so they'll spend all their time working the men and the women and when it comes to food like you you have to spend you have to give some time to it right you have to plan and you have to you know there needs to be a significant amount of time it doesn't have to be a lot of time but just also now the willingness to cook has gone away a lot um and then with the the influx of new restaurants there's new restaurants every month in Nairobi and that also gentrifies spaces like Dagos um where you find before it was a nyama choma place and now it's um, some fancy casual dining place you know with with umbrellas on the ceiling and <laughs> um that's it's kind of scary but it's also like i'm i like we've always been a melting pot it's just i hope we have the right restaurants come in and we have the right places for people to commune and to eat right and to be conscious about where the source of our food comes from and and appreciative of who we are as opposed to being like okay this is KFC and KFC now here is a premium brand right Where in the states like super cheap like <laughs> yeah and yeah. guys you will spend like thousands of shillings at KFC it just doesn't make any sense to me um but i don't know like i just want mentally or culturally for us to be aware of that and so we don't end up having super fat babies you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um attention america <laughs> you're super fat babies i do um, still love you america uh, <laughs> i mean listen it's like it's one of the things about traveling in the world particularly in a place like kenya that that still has this picture you know maybe on a global level they they can criticize america but on a personal level a lot of people want to move to america yeah. you know there's yeah. still like this huge aspiration and it really causes at least me to just look in the mirror and think about these things that are exports that there's like this cycle in in this connective tissue between the desire you know the sense that America is where dreams come true and yeah. then and then they can bring some little piece of America here or experience that on a Wednesday night at a KFC mm-hmm. and i'm just looking at it and, and i'm seeing the things that you're seeing which is like degradation of the family environment diminished community yeah. very difficult landscape for making good nutritional choices yeah. like a lack of cultural and historical context to exactly. what you're putting in your body i'm just seeing all these kind <laughs> of all these little horrors mm-hmm. of of what and and listen I'm 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 going to I'm going to die in my country. I love America. <laughs> it's great, you know, get me a maga hat, whatever. <laughs> but like but it's a it's a weird world that people yeah. aspire so deeply for some of these values which which are a little fucked up. Yeah. I mean that, that is your greatest export. It's your culture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> everyone wants to wear you know jeans and we used to sag of course in the 90s. Everyone wants to wear the baseball caps and um and and eat KFC and like <laughs> that is that is that is all you guys yeah. i mean it's great i i respect how strong you are in terms of what you've done um america as a as a country there's a lot of stuff i really don't understand <laughs> yeah guns and i don't get it like i don't understand why it's a, a right yeah a fundamental right like that's true i haven't <laughs> seen a lot of open carry here i mean at the bank here you will have yes automatic <laughs> weapons uh but those guys are licensed uh presumably um but no yeah some some aspects of our culture are just truly beyond like import uh, but you know <laughs> i do love how much americans love their country um do you know it's very it it can be off-putting <laughs> it can be if have, if have you seen uh, i my my parents and my my siblings lived in the us for a long time uh-huh um they left when i was 17 to do their master's degrees and their phd's and so they did go to get a great education and they did yeah um, my brother is younger than me by three years and he was a dependent at that age and so he went and it's basically american you know like yeah. he was there for food like 13 years wow and my sister is still there she lives in washington dc um so you know what you're talking about i i have these, a bit of an idea these nationalist americans yeah. are, are also your immediate <laughs> family members <laughs> yeah this is lived in philly la and and now dc wow right? that's, so that's, it's like that, a nice mix that's the, that's the gamut um, um so like yeah but i there's certain things about the, the states food wise that i like but um I don't know. Um 
I, I would like more of a community yeah vibe to to us what we're doing well i mean um and i will say that a lot of the things that i do genuinely love about the states that i don't think you can find in many places are some of these like some of the sense, senses that i'm getting from nairobi too of just like mm-hmm. that melting pot and mm-hmm. that influx mm-hmm. and that kind of like being a hub for all of these different cultures. I mean, it's not just Nairobi, it's not just the US, but mm. the way of making a virtue out of that and assimilating people and, you know, bringing, bringing your parents to get their doctorates, like, you know, we get the smartest motherfuckers, yeah. you know, yeah. with the hardest working, yeah. like they, they're the ones that are coming and making, uh, making the country what it is. And that, you know, that's a value that people can practice and we obviously have a very spotty record, like we're, we're trying to pretend that that's not great uh, right now, but you know, that's something that can be, um, you know, can, can be applied anywhere in the world, just like build, build a good environment and people will come. And yeah. that's kind of what's happened in Nairobi, like, you know, people from other countries want to come and be here mm-hmm. uh, and make, you know, make, make it happen for themselves here. So like, that's, a, that, uh, you know, I'll own that, like that's yeah. a good value. That yeah. It's not unique to it's America, unique. but like, that could be universal. Yeah. I think we do have an influx of the Chinese here. Yeah. Which, as you may know. Um, you got um, some Belt and Road things going yep, down. Absolutely. <laughs> we are the bitches now. Uh, I mean, um, <laughs> the first, I will say this, this kind of, you know, because I haven't been, I hadn't been in Africa uh, at all, um, I think maybe since 2012. Uh, and even then it was just South Africa and I've been to Egypt earlier, but the Mm -hmm. Belt and Road thing is only, I'd only ever experienced it from afar, this idea of Chinese influence uh, uh, on on the rise in Africa. And I came right out of the airport landing here and the first fucking billboard is for (laughs) Kwecho Motai, which is a very expensive, high-end, I forget what it's based on, what the liquor is based on, but you know, I, I have a bottle at home because, like, somebody in the People's Liberation Army gave it to me in Nanjing <laughs> once. And in seven years, I've only been able to drink about a quarter of it because <laughs> it is a fucking is acquired it a taste. It's not a soju. Soju is a, a beautiful so gift gross. from the heavens that I would drink <laughs> morning, noon, and night if I didn't have a job. Yeah. Um Motai is, like, it kind of has got, a, like, a barnyard kick to it. It's a strong liquor. uh and it's just got some real funk. Wait, I've heard of it. Oh, yeah. I have heard of it. It's like one of the most interesting alcohols in the world. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the stuff that's going on in that alcohol is like <laughs> way beyond what, what any human needs to get out of their drink. And anyway, I was just, I mean, I know this is something that really only Chinese could value. And they're, yeah. they're trying to make inroads in the States. But... It's just to come out of the airport in Nairobi and see a giant billboard (laughs) of like a liquor that only the Chinese could love, obviously advertised for the Chinese who are coming is a sign of of, um, settlement. Like they have settled. There are little Chinatowns. Yeah. I don't know if you've walked around. You haven't. Um, There's little, we have like little Chinas. Uh, One is like a shopping center, but also has, yeah, it's a shopping center that has a couple of noodle bars. But then there's another like food, little food thing that is like a little food district. Yeah. And it's all just Chinese food. And this is what it's it, different. Yeah. This is what April Zhu was saying. Yeah. Yesterday was like, uh, you know, she's from the States, like had all the best of the Chinese food mm-hmm. and the East Coast and all of that. Mm-hmm. But she was like, you get stuff here that you couldn't ever get in the States. And yeah. like, there's like hand pulled noodle guys yeah. who were just doing a super legit job. Yeah. Um, so, you know. And the Take, food guys are all so nice. Yeah. They're all so nice. Like, I love them all. Yeah. Because I, in fact, like, sometimes I ask, I'd like to understand, like, how, how did you make this? If you make it from scratch, are we used to buying it in a packet and then cooking the noodles yeah. or steaming them. But, like, how did you make the noodles? And I could just wait until we're about to close. I'll show you the thing. Oh, and I'm cool. like, oh, that's that's fucking great. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they show me, like, how they make the little, the, the liquids and how they steam them and then how they cut them and, and how it all works. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because like Kenyan restaurants will never show you that. Like if you ever <laughs> so ask like, secrets. how did you make this kind of come? This, there's this paranoia that businesses have in this country. Do not take photos of our, our business. Like don't. Like I've walked into many kitchens. There's a time I went to a Japanese izakaya, which is called Cheka here. It's one of our better Japanese restaurants here. And... I walked in, I asked to see the chef and I talked to him, I gave him feedback. And then like, I, I was like, can I come see the kitchen? 
And he said, yeah, sure. And I came in and I saw these knives that I'm like, I'm obsessed with knives. Oh, like nice. Japanese knives. All right. Um, and so I saw, that's the first time I ever held a Santoku. I don't know if you know. But oh, it's, yeah. It's the first time I held it and I was like, it's much heavier than I expected. But it's also, I was just gushing. I was just like, oh my God, I really want this $800 knife. Yeah, right. And I asked him, could I please take a photo of this, right? And he was like, no. No. I was like, are you serious? It's just a knife. Like, I'm not going to steal your business. What the fuck? This is a trade secret. <laughs> this is um, no, everyone knows about Japanese knives. Right. Nobody can know that we're using Santoku <laughs> knives right? in a Japanese restaurant. Um, but, like, yeah, we, I, they're, very, they're very, very nice. Oddly. Yeah. Right. So, so that's an opportunity, again, of using that superpower, which, again, I've seen, you know, my partner, Matt Goulding, who did mm-hmm. it in Japan to great success when he was writing Rice Noodle Fish. And, yeah. you know, a, a country of closed doors will open up to you if you come and ask them about their food. It's like yeah. it's, it's magical, you know, like you can have conversations and, and reach people you don't even speak the same language, yeah. whatever. And you just like, boom, they understand what you understand and vice versa and uh yeah it's it's a it's something i aspire to it's it's um it's pretty cool to see it in action because that's just it's a great way to move through life you know being able to actually communicate with people you wouldn't have otherwise Mm. um all right well let's keep keep that going that's a good place to to leave it i i uh i don't know how fast this book of yours is coming out (laughs) i hope it's soon enough that we can tell people about it before i drop dead at my desk (laughs) It's part book, part like, um, I don't know, proposal. It's like, a diff- I want to learn different things. And a lot of big stumbling blocks are access to equipment, mm-hmm. access to knowledge, like books, access to... Pictures of Santokus. Pictures of Santokus. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I wanted to put this out to say, hey, this is what I'm doing. I, I, I'm not like an Instagram chef. I'm not like trying to get famous from it but i do want to have a legacy i want to learn as much as i can um in terms of technique in terms of history yeah. and write about it and write and then create new things i want to be sounds like, like you need to kickstart that shit I like do. indiegogo oh my god All that right. stuff does not work here but <laughs> i really want to do that um i want to work with certain chefs there's a couple of amazing african chefs um there's this guy called Javoy Malonga. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah. Wait, wait, He's from Burundi. He? Okay. And he, I mean, Rwanda, not Burundi. Okay. But he is based in Paris. Yeah. But he travels around. He comes to the continent and he just travels around with his backpack and his uh, sleeveless shirts and <laughs> showing off his... <laughs> his giant <laughs> triceps. Yeah. And he like goes around and talks to like, he's, he, he does this thing called the School of Grammars. Where he like talks to like grandmas from different kind of parts of the uh, continent. Grammars. Grandmas. Oh, grandmas. Grandmothers. Oh, wow. Yes. And so who's he, teaching who? He's being so he learns from them. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. This traditional thing, but he's classically French trained. Yeah. And so he takes the thinking of that and yeah. makes it more. He makes it. He refines it and puts like an espuma of something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Fla- the flowers always okay. come out. Nice. <laughs> and like he makes these beautiful dishes and I've been talking to him for about uh, almost two years now and I was just like, you know what, I think I want to work with him. So like the book is to send people like him, to send people like Vigilio Martinez who I hope will see it. And like, I don't know if you know Virgilio Martinez. I do know Virgilio for sure. I love him. I love oh, yeah. everything he does. Like his thinking is exactly yeah. I connect to his brain so much because he's all about going outside. Yeah. Like he goes outside, he'll look around, he'll be like, what is this? He'll go into weird places. He, he found these little balls of algae in some pools. Yeah, that's some right. random, yeah, and, and like this, nobody thought about it. Yeah, for context, this is Virgilio Martinez who runs Central in Lima, which yeah. to this day I think is probably the one of the top five meals I've ever had. Um, I mean, just ridiculous yeah. uh very talented young man all right yeah. so um, so i kind of want to do that but yeah. also not him not these people i want to figure out who i am and yeah. who i am is many different things right and i want to i really really want to write books like i <laughs> that is something i'm very keen on doing um i'm interested in educating people i am i'm interested in um collecting and processing and distributing information like that is my thing all right um we'll start doing it yeah get writing yeah 
Send me stuff. I will send you all the stuff. <laughs> I'm, 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 a, I'm a reader, not just a writer. So I'm ready for it. Well, thank okay. you, Joshua. It has been a uh, distinct pleasure uh, okay. chewing a mild stimulant <laughs> uh, and drinking. I think I'm crashing full Sprite. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I still, I, got, I still got hours to go. I'm going to have to take a little pocket full of this. All right. All right thank you, man. Thanks a The Trip from Roads and Kingdoms is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg. Emily Marinoff was our producer on this episode, Taffy Mokanyadze, our consulting producer. Alexa Van Sickle is our editor. Music by Dan the Automator, episode illustration by Daisy D. Show artwork by Adele Rodriguez. Executive producers are me and Matt Goulding, also of Roads and Kingdoms. Shout out again this week to journalist Rajiv Gola, who helped with this episode and then bought me a beer afterwards. Next Monday on The Trip, we continue with our Nairobi series. Kevin Mwachiro knows how to fight for the rights of LGBTQ Kenyans against the blood cancer that nearly overtook him a couple years ago, and yet he is so damn joyous in those battles. Kevin was one of the guests in one of my favorite late Parts Unknown episodes, the one where Bourdain and W. Kamau went to Kenya together, and it was such a pleasure having him on this show. We at Roads and Kingdoms are so looking forward to 2021. Big things are brewing around here. We've got big hopes for being back on the road with you soon. For now, I could not be happier to be with these episodes from Nairobi. Kevin Wachiro, next on the trip. We will meet you there.